0: You know you when you start to put together these messages, and Pastor Luke and I, when we were in our meeting this week, we were talking about just the dynamic of messages, and you know some pastors say that you have to have um, your messages spelled out for the whole year, and so for me, it's not the whole year because I'll tell you right now what I'm going through in my walk in with Christ is different than it was this week than it was last week than it was six months ago, so. And I know that there's relevance to the word of God. And I know there's relevance and there's application to his word. And so no matter what, it says in Isaiah that his word won't come back void. And so I know that there is truth to be taught. But I've got to tell you, as I was putting together this message, I was, I was moving in one direction. And, um, and I decided that I would go in another direction. Well, actually, I didn't. God did. And so um, I hope and pray that it motivates you and that it moves your spirit. I haven't done this in years, and I'm going to attempt it this morning. It's a song out of Luke chapter 15, When God Ran. And this song is very personal to me. Because for a lot of years I ran in my own life, not pastoring and doing what God has called me to do. You see, I'm going to throw it out here because we're real people. In our families, we want to say how we feel, but we can't because they hold you hostage. In the workplace, you want to tell your boss how you feel, but you're afraid that the boss is going to fire you. In the church, the pastor has to lead a congregation, and so he's afraid to say something for fear. There will be repercussion. And so pastoring for me was not something that I, yes, being an associate pastor for 17 years and working with youth was a lot easier for me uh, because it was, although some of the circumstances and, and situations I went through has made me a stronger man of God. And so as we journey through this life, you know what you've gone through in your workplace for you have changed jobs because of what something has gone on or what have you. But let me ask you all a question. You know, on the message this morning on the price is right, on grace, if you looked at you being in the center of God's will and you understanding that your role being in the center of God's will, then you need to fight the devil tooth and nail And don't allow him to influence you to move one way or the other. Now, if you've backslidden and you feel like, yes, I need to come back to God and I need his grace and his mercy on my life. He's always there to love you and accept. you. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you because he loves you and he embraces you where you're at. And so this story, if you'll turn in your Bible with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, this is an amazing story of the prodigal son. For you see, he wanted one showcase, and yet God wanted to bless him with another showcase. And because he left, although he came back, God showed grace, God showed mercy instead of disgrace, Animosity and division. So when we read in Luke chapter 15, I want you to understand that this was a young man, as you heard in the game show, who wanted to just live a worldly life. He wanted to just live a life that was pleasing to his flesh, that was pleasing, which was temporal to his pocketbook, to his bank account. And so he goes to his father and he says, I want all of my inheritance. And he says, fine. You can take it and you can go. And so I have to stop and think of this in my own life. I was listening to a pastor this week. And as he was preaching, he said, why is it with pastors, why is it with congregations that we want to get to the mega church when you can't get to the mega church if you don't start out in small church? Because there's things you have to learn through it. And so, I mean, it resonated with me because we have to grow because in every congregation you have to grow and God wants each and every one of us to grow. That is his desire for us. We know the word, the school of hard knocks, don't we? Where all of a sudden people say, yes, I've gone through the school of hard knocks to get where I'm at. Well, praise God. So for the longest time, I thought to myself, maybe I'm where I'm at today because I needed to go from where I was. And I will tell you this. Pastor Roberto, uh, great to have you here with us this morning. And it's great to have visitors with us and guests as well. And, uh, but he and I were talking yesterday. And... We all have a great desire to build, build, build. Amen? That's his desire. 25 years old. But I looked at him and said, you know what? When I was your age, I had dark hair like yours. I didn't have any gray hair. Matter of fact, when I was 35, I didn't have any gray hair. And all of a sudden, I have a white chin. And I keep it short so you can't see the other gray hair. At 47. But you know what? I finally have come to grips in my life that I'm glad I'm where I'm at today because of what I went through yesterday. And because God said, Todd, you need to go through that. You need to go through this journey. And you know one of the hardest things, you know why this song Agnes Day resonates with me? Because I'll tell you right now, my flesh sometimes just wants to rise up within me and give people a piece of my mind. Is that normal? And then he says to me, be still and know that I'm God. He who began a good work in you. Wants to complete it in you. Isn't that amazing? Stop! If I stop people, and if I tell them don't put up roadblocks, they'll never be able to experience the glory of God. And so we have a tendency to do that. Yes, a pastor, an under-shepherd to the great high shepherd, has a great desire to stop everybody. From actually, you know, don't do that. Don't live your life like that. But i got to tell you this. It's not about me. It's about you and God. It's about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so you might have to go through some of this. One of the hardest things for me as a pastor is to say, Bye. See ya. No matter what the reason is, I sometimes have to just say, i got to let you go. But knowing this, and this is my journey, knowing that, God's in control. And this is his church. You are his children. You are his people. And he's going to give increase. We just have to do our part. Amen? We need to preach the gospel. We need to be instant in season, out of season, all kinds of seasons. And even though it might be hot in here sometimes or it might be freezing cold, we just got to continue to preach the gospel as it is. Amen? Amen? Luke chapter 15, we're going to get to it in a minute, but you know the story of the prodigal somewhere. He leaves, and he lives this life. I'm going to read it for you, but before we do that, I'm going to sign to a song. That People have asked me before, why do you do sign language? For many of you don't know, I don't even know sign language. I teach myself sign language. Why do I teach myself sign language? Because as a singer, I feel like, yeah, it. it I have to get over this because... My nerves are, you know, I need to get this behind me. I was going to read the text and all that, but I'm up here in gloves, and this is kind of awkward. But, uh, but I've always signed, and we started, my twin sister and I, when we were teenagers, and I do that because it helps me to express a song that might be endearing yet convicting in my own life. So it makes me think out the song, and it helps me to live out actually the story that is in the Bible So please forgive me. I am not an educated, scholar, sign language instructor. But I like to express music by sign language. And I love this song. Because even though he ran away from God, God ran to him. And he met him in his need. He met him in the middle of the hardship. And he said, son, it doesn't matter. No matter what you've gone through, no matter where you've been, I love you. And he still has that same expression for us today. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he still loves you. of me. Luke chapter 15, verse 11, and let's read together. And he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, forgive me the, por- give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. Uh, and I love this because I circled this in my Bible, give me. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance, he wasted his assets, into hard cash with riotous living. um, And when he had spent all, verse 14, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. He started to be in desire. He had no money. And uh, I I picture today when so many of us get stuff, we don't understand um, that God tells us to be a good steward of money. We, We use up all that we have, and we end up broke. Verse 15, and he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare? And yet I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one. Of your hired servants, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. I love that, and I, I wrote this in my Bible, preached a message once on this, and I called that the kiss of reconciliation. So right then they reconciled, and I love that the scripture says that he ran, he showed compassion, he fell on his neck, and it says that he kissed him. Verse 21, and the son said unto the father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. I love that because it says, let us eat and be merry. Don't you love forgiveness? How many of you made mistakes in this room? Praise the Lord. Just a couple. The rest are perfect. Okay, we'll see you at the altar. Deacons, be ready. All right. And um, and the elder son, verse 25, was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked, What these things meant? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out. And he met him. The Bible says that he entreated him. And I think that's so profound. Sometimes I I like because the word entreated actually interpreted means begged. He begged him, please come in. Please be with the family. Why is it that we have such a hard time of forgiving? And yet we have a hard time forgetting. So, and I know for myself, and we've gone through this. I mean, it's been sometimes kind of the conversations that we've had. I'll forgive you, but I'll never forget what you've done. And, uh, and so he begged him to come in. He asked what was going on. The brother was bitter. He said, you know, now it's my rightful place. Why, why is it that he gets everything? Look what he's done to you. I mean, see, here's the backdrop to this story. I believe the father wept over his son. The father wept over his son. He cried and he wept and he probably, you know, couldn't go into work. He couldn't work in the fields because he was so distraught. And yet the one son's probably thinking to myself, I've been here to pick you up the whole time. Man, that's some way to treat the good boy, the good son. But see what he was doing is he was teaching him the principle of mercy and of grace. And so. He couldn't get it, and yet he was actually uh, demonstrating this love for his other son. So let's continue. Verse 29, and he answered, he said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. You never gave me any type of, of goat, a young goat to slaughter. Look at me. I'm the righteous one in the family. I'm the goody-two-shoes. And this is what you're going to do, Daddy? Yeah, that's what he was thinking. And yet, here's what his father has to say. But as soon as thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Look to the person next to you and say, all you have is the Lord's. It's easy, isn't it? It's not ours. And what he was saying was, Listen, all you have is nine. Everything I have to give you, I want to bless you with. And he still was was kicking and screaming, grabbed the pacifier and the blanket, was down on the floor, rolling around like a baby. And so, verse thirty two, and it was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Was lost and is found. So what is grace? The meaning of grace, and the word grace actually comes from the Hebrew and Greek word, chen or cheris, and it is used in the scriptures, which literally means favor. But I love this, because when, when you see the story unfold, that when he says that there was grace that was bestowed upon him, I like that the, the actual representation of this, Cindy, you can hit the air, the actual representation of this is that we must bend a knee or kneel showing love, showing mercy, showing grace. Are you kidding me? I would never bend my knee. I would not humble myself. What do you mean? I will never humble myself. It's me against her. It's me against him. And I love that word grace because when it says, it literally means to bend or stoop in kindness to another as a superior to an inferior. Wow. That's amazing. His grace has been termed unmerited favor. You've heard me preach a series on the favor of God. But you see, favor or grace is more than just an attitude. God's favor was toward the unworthy. When I played the song and I signed to when God ran. I love the words. It says, then he ran to me. He took me in his arms. He held my head to his chest. And he said, my sons, come home again. Then he ran to me. He took me in his arms. And he said, son, Listen. He lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes. And I love what it says, with forgiveness in his voice. Wow. Son, do you know I still love you? Do you know I still care for you? Have you felt unlovely this week? Have you felt maybe not like up to par, like where you should be or where you really want to be? Know that God loves you and He cares for you. You just need to go to Him. And I love that because He bestowed favor. He bestowed mercy. But then you ask yourself this question, why would the prodigal son ever want to leave? When you have a daddy who's showing you so much grace, showing you so much love, showing you so much mercy, why would you ever leave? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't like the way that thing's going on over there at that church. They preach a word. I don't like what's going on. Uh, Love. We're to love one another. We're to show grace and mercy. You know, I don't want to get off the subject here. But in our Christian life, there are going to be... All kinds of people that are gonna walk through the church. And the question is, just because they look a certain way, walk a certain way, talk a certain way, doesn't mean that we don't embrace them the right way. So we gotta still love. I didn't ask you to hang out with them, I asked you to love them, show grace. And forgiveness. And I love this because I, I've thought to myself, it's so hard, and many of you know this. That we could say, Yes, but I live a good life. Well the Bible also says our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. So God loves all people. John three sixteen. You see, he wanted to be his own God, therefore he was easily deceived. He was deceived about what money could buy. He was deceived about the pleasure of sin. He was deceived about who his real friends were. He was deceived about himself. So, this morning, there are only two showcases to this message that I bring to you. The first showcase is what the prodigal son expected disgrace. He expected to bend or stoop. He never thought that the father would bend and stoop to him. Isn't that amazing? I mean, so he expected disgrace instead of what? Grace. Makes you really think. What the prodigal son received, point number two, was grace. God demonstrated his favor and forgiveness. Man, I love that. So here we go. Point number one, we're going to go back to that. He expected that his father would treat him as the older brother did, disgrace. That he would be forgotten. That he would be disowned. That he would be severely disciplined for his actions. And that he would be ridiculed. Number five, that he would be made a servant. That he would be forgotten, disowned, severely disciplined, ridiculed. And then he thought he would be made. To be a servant. That was his best hope. That's all he thought. And it doesn't matter. I know I had all these riches and I had all these things, but I want you to know God loves you. He cares for you. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Michael, you're forgiven. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Man, it's amazing to me that within our life, I put myself in the place of the prodigal son. God, I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your favor. I don't deserve your mercy. All I deserve is hell. I act like hell. My life is hell. That's what I deserve. We've been there. Then he ran to me. He took me in his arms. And he held my head to his chest. And I knew then that God loved me. So we so we see there his unmerited favor. We see disgrace from a younger brother. We saw the grace that came from the father. But you see, what the prodigal son did not expect was grace. He did not expect favor that his father would be waiting for him at the end of the driveway that his father would run to him, that his father would receive him into his arms, that he would still be permitted to wear the family robe, his father's ring, their shoes of sonship. Wow, it's amazing. So we break it down the robe, a robe of righteousness. It showed that he was still part of the family. Wow. When you get around Christian people and you get around God, you're going to start changing some things in your life or it's going to be very, very uncomfortable for you. So I love that. So the robe of righteousness. Then he gave him a ring. He was blessed with the authority of his father. My dad's dying of cancer. And I've shared this before, but it's still, and I don't have it with me, but um, my dad could have given us all kinds of things, had a lot of money and a lot of material earthly things. But when cancer took his life at 67, and as he's wobbling down that That hallway, like this, and I'm not kidding. He barely could make it, and I'm thinking, my dad's gonna fall. He's gonna fall. And he says, "I have something to give you," and I'm thinking, this is gonna be good. What's he gonna give me? I mean, come on, that's what you think. I mean, you guys are looking at me like, not me. I would never think that. What do you think? And he gets back there and he opens up his drawer and he's holding onto that dresser. And he reached down in there and he pulled out this diamond ring that he's wore for years. And he said, Son, this is near and dear to me, and I want you to have it. What was he saying to me? He gave me the ring of sonship. You are my son. And even though I'll not be around for you, you'll always be my son. I had a heart attack because my daughters did a a story on my dad. Megan did. She said, Where's the ring? We couldn't find the ring. My, and so I'm like panicking, having an anxiety attack. My wife's like, honey, it's right where you left it. Okay. Why is it that you ladies can just walk in a room and know we stuff? I died and I've come to life. So with that being said, he bless, his father blessed him. And then the shoes, he was given freedom. He was not a prisoner. That his father would throw a party to celebrate his homecoming. That he had any friends who would attend the celebration. Note that the older brother would complain or complain to his father. You've never thrown me a party with my best friends. And here's what I think is really cool about this story. What that statement implied that the prodigal son still had friends that would come to the party that celebrated his return. Look at the person next to you and say, welcome back. Now, just think about that. I'm just going to have to sit back here just for a minute because I never do. Wow, this is great. Isn't this great to be part of the family of God? Welcome back. And, I mean, isn't it great to be? I mean, that's, that's what's so awesome about being a part of the family. And so I think the son was even saying the same thing. He thought that he would walk in the house. Come on, you guys. You know that feeling when you walk in a house and it's like. Hi, everybody. And they're still looking at you. That is awkward. So when people come into the house of God, they need to be welcomed and loved and embraced. And yet they should be that way. It should be that way in your home, too. Let's just not make it in the church. Let's make it like that all the time. Because if we are Christians and Christianity means Christ's likeness, then we live it out and demonstrate that in our homes. Okay? Okay. So, you know, I love that. So the, the, old, the brother was like, wow, he still has friends. So he's amongst friends. They're celebrating together. Let me tell you something. When I see people come back to Christ, I don't care if you ran away. I'm not talking about this church. If you go to another church and I find out that you're going there, hallelujah. New no hope isn't for everybody. You know, that would be crazy for me to think that. But yet I do know that there are. People that I've seen walk away, and when I find out they're serving the Lord, I just want to do a happy dance because it's exciting for me. And it's exciting for God to think that people are coming back to him because he's still there. He never left you because he loves you. That's the unmerited grace and favor of God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the next few minutes. I want to break down Romans chapter 12, verse 2. You don't have to turn there, but I did some thinking last night as I was studying, and I want you to thoroughly think this thing out. Now, you know what's crazy about game shows? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, in this showcase, if you get the price that is right, you will win $552,000. And everybody goes, Woo! You know, and if you go to your local Circle K, you could pick up a pool lottery ticket and you can have the chance. One out of five hundred and sixty two million, five hundred and thirty two billion people to win five hundred dollars. See, that's what the prodigal son wanted. That's the world. Are you ready? I'm a winner. Todd Tackett, you're the next contestant in this Christian life. Woo! Yes! Glory! Wait a minute. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you into myself, that where I am, there you will be also. Thomas said unto him, but Jesus, how do we know the way? And Jesus said unto him, because you know why? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man, no lottery ticket, no price is right, no deal or no deal, no family feud, no will of fortune, no other games that are out there can come before me, but my Father, hallelujah, I don't know where that came from, but, man, think about it. In my father's house, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Buddy, I'll tell you, Malachi chapter 3 says he'll open up the windows of heaven. There won't be room enough for you to receive the blessings that God has for your life. Because when you live your life and he embraces you and you embrace him, then you get to journey together. Do you think for one minute that these knees are not wore out because I go to my prayer closet and I weep over people? Yeah, I do. It's tiring. But Satan's after us. Pastor Roberto, is Satan after you? Yes, he is. He's after DB. He's after Pastor Dahl. He wants their church, our Nepali church, to close. He doesn't want three services in one building. Let's call it out for what it is. Look to the person and say, you're a winner. You know why? Why? Because Jesus paid the price on Calvary for you and for me. All you have to do is accept Him. And if you don't know Jesus Christ and you come to Him today, you just won. That is exciting. That's the gospel message. Hallelujah. And so, I like what verse 2 says. Oh, I got to get moving. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. Now, listen to this. So I started thinking about this. I've never, ever done this before and broke it down. Be transformed means, and in the dictionary, if you look at it, it actually means to alter, to convert, to metamorphose, or to transfigure. So, you know, when you transfigure into something else, then you change. So the world's telling us you need all this earthly stuff. The spiritual world is saying you need all, you know, you gain all this spiritual stuff by serving him. But why is it that we as Americans, that we as Hispanics or Nepali or whatever, we have a tendency to only say, I I gotta touch it, feel it, I gotta see it, I gotta, I gotta live in it, I gotta drive it, I gotta have everything. Because when you change for Christ, things become less and less important. Now watch, if it means to metamorph into something, that means that you change into something else. So in your spiritual life, when you start to change, you start to know that, yeah, something's different in me. Man, I like when people say, Debbie, something's different about you. Diane, something's different about you. What's going on with you? Jesus is inside of you. You know, we don't want somebody to look at you and go, Brother Ron, the devil's in you, brother. Nobody needs to, no one needs to see that, now do they? No, we need to morph, and when, I like that word, because it's like this, look here, here's a woolly bear, you guys know what a woolly bear is, and the woolly bear was actually, it was, uh, they just had, you know, Dick Goddard always talks about woolly bear on TV, and they just had the woolly bear festival, and depending on, the stripe of the woolly bear tells you how long, you know, the season is actually going to take place, the winter season. So, you know, I don't know, I don't have time to walk around and measure woolly bear stripes. But some people do. But you know what I like about a larva? A caterpillar? Because you see, when change starts to take place, you start noticing the beauty. And in your life, when Jesus comes in, and you become born again, and then you start to morph. I kind of like that word. When you start to morph into the likeness of Christ, then you start to all of a sudden, your life starts to become colorful. And then you grow, and you you start to glow for who Jesus is. Isn't that amazing? And thank God we don't have to go back to the larva that started our whole life Watch this video, it's two minutes long, but watch it's kind of a time lapse. But as this goes on, I want you to watch real close as as we watch the caterpillar. Many of you might have seen this. It's the butterfly story and I'm gonna go ahead and, and read it to you as as it comes up on the screen. But but I love it because it's so much about our life. We tried to take life in our own house. A man found a cocoon of a butterfly. And maybe this is your life, but but watch closely. And one day a small opening appeared. He sat and watched the butterfly for several hours as it struggled to try to force its body through that little hole. Then it seemed to stop making any progress. It appeared as if it had gotten as far as it had and it could go no further. decided to help the butterfly, so he took a pair of scissors and snipped off the remaining bit of the cocoon. The butterfly then emerged very, very slowly and easily, but it was a swollen body and small, shriveled wings. The man continued to watch the butterfly because he expected that at any moment the wings would then enlarge and expand. To be able to support the body, which would then contract in time. Neither happened. In fact, the butterfly spent the rest of its life crawling around with a swollen body shriveled wings because it was never ever able to fly. What the man in his kindness and hate did, haste, did not understand was this. The restricting cocoon and the struggle required for the butterfly to get through the tiny opening? God's way of forcing fluid from the body of the butterfly into its wings so that it would be ready for flight. Once it achieved its freedom from the cocoon, and sometimes struggles are exactly what we need in our life. God allowed us to go through life without any obstacles, it would cripple us. Hmm. Why? We would not be as strong as what we could have been. we continue to look like the world act like the world and sometimes we have a, a tendency to get halfway to where God's taking us on our journey and we stop and our growth is halted our growth stops he wants to do with us he wants to transform you to be more like him I'll read these scriptures and then we'll close John chapter 1 says but to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh or the will of man, but they were born of God. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree, Of glory to another. For this. Comes from the Lord. Who is. The spirit. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God. Who loved me and gave himself. For me. Hallelujah. And I love. Second Timothy chapter two. I love the first part of verse fifteen. Listen closely. Be diligent. Be active. Be diligent to present yourself. A proof to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed. You can change. 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 You have to let God start a good work in you. If you've been struggling with coming to Jesus Christ, come to Him today. Listen, why are churches so intimidated by the Holy Spirit? Well, if we do all this and we don't pray, we don't cry out to God, it's all for nothing. It says that we are then transformed into the image of God. Unmerited favor was shown all over the prodigal son. Wow. How often I've gone to the Lord, put my face in that carpet, and I've said, God, I'm coming to you out of disgrace. And he's like, you're forgiven. Am I I'm messed up again? I screwed up again. And he starts to show his unmerited favor and love in my life. I'm going to quote this song, and then we're going to sing it. This song was by Chris Tomlins, and you know it. It's called Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. But I changed the wording. So every time I saw grace, I threw in favor. But listen closely, and maybe it will become more relevant for you. Amazing favor, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was favor that taught my heart to fear. And favor, my fears relieved. How precious did that favor appear. The hour I first believed. My chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, He's ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amazing favor. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. The earth shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. But God who called me here below will be forever mine. He will be forever mine. You are forever mine. Come to him today. Would you live your life for him? Let's all stand. Let's pray. God, we love you. and We thank you for your word. Thank you for, Lord, your spirit this morning. Lord, we run to you. We cry out to you. Lord, if there's somebody here today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, may they come forward. Let us show them, help them, pray with them, pray over them. Today's their day of salvation. Today's their day of change. Wow. What it must have been like. And I know this is a parable, but Father God, just just being able to to hear the story reminds us of who we are and whose we are in you. God, help me. Forgive me. Help us to be instruments used for your glory. God, help us to turn our back on the world and walk in the newness of Christ. Father, there's someone here today that needs you. May they come to you. Help them grow. Deliver them. Set them free. For their chains are gone. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who died and yet who rose the third day to give us life. Oh God, we love you. Thank you for your word. In your name we pray.